Section 11 of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic, a practical treatise on the art of conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Tricks involving sleight of hand or the use of specially prepared cards. Part 5. The Shower of Aces. This trick forms a very effective sequel to that last described, or may with equal facility be made to follow many other card tricks. To perform it, the first essential is the possession of a pack of cards similar in size and pattern to that you have in general use, but consisting of aces only. You can purchase such a pack at most of the conjuring depots, or you may, without much difficulty, manufacture one for yourself. If you decide upon the latter course, you must first procure thirty or forty blank cards backed with the requisite pattern. These you can transform into aces in two ways. The first is to split three or four ordinary cards of each suit, and after peeling off as thin as possible the face of each, carefully cut out the pips and paste one in the center of each of your blank cards. This process, however, takes a considerable time and when the sham aces are collected in a pack the extra thickness of the paper in the center of each produces an objectionable bulge. The better plan is to procure a stencil plate representing the figures of a club, heart, and diamond, which will enable you to produce any number of the aces of those suits, using Indian ink for the clubs and vermilion mixed with a little size for the hearts and diamonds. The ace of spades you must dispense with, but this is of little consequence to the effect of the trick. You must have these cards close at hand, in such a position as to enable you to add them instantly, and without attracting observation to the pack you have been using. If you use the regular conjurer's table before described, you may place your pack of aces on the servante. If you do not use such a table, you may place them in one of your pochettes. In either case, you will have little difficulty in reaching them at the right moment, and placing them on the top of the ordinary pack, holding the hole in your left hand, but keeping the little finger between. Having done this, you say to the person who has been assisting you, in continuation of the trick you just performed, "'You appear to be fond of aces, sir. How many would you like?' He is fully convinced, having previously examined the pack, that you have only the ordinary four but from a desire to put your powers to an extreme test, he may possibly name a larger number, say, seven. Seven, you reply. That is rather unreasonable, seeing there are only four in the pack. However, we will make some more. Do you know how to make aces? No? Then I will show you. Like all these things, it's simplicity itself, when you once know it. Will you oblige me by blowing upon the pack? Which you hold just under his nose for that purpose. He does so, and you deliberately count off and give to him the seven top cards, which all prove to be aces. You then say, Perhaps you would like some more. You have only to blow again. Come, how many will you have? He again blows on the pack, and you give him the number desired. While he is examining them, you cover the pack for a moment with your right hand and palm a dozen or so of the remaining aces, then remarking, you blew a little too strongly that time. You blew a lot of aces into your waistcoat. You thrust your hand into the breast of his waistcoat and bring out three or four of the palmed cards, leaving the remainder inside. 
then pull out two or three more, dropping them on the floor, so as to scatter them about and make them appear as numerous as possible. You then say, There seem to be a good many more others yet. Perhaps you will take them out yourself. While he is doing so, you palm in the right hand all the remaining aces. When he professes to have taken out all, you say, Are you quite sure that you have no more aces about you? You blew very hard, you know. I really think you must have some more. Will you allow me? Then, standing on his right, you place your right hand just below his eyes and spring the remaining aces from it, in the manner indicated for springing the cards from hand to hand, the effect being exactly as if a shower of cards flew from his nose. Several persons having each drawn two cards, which have been returned and shuffled to make each couple appear in succession, one at the top and the other at the bottom of the pack. This capital trick was also a great favorite with Comte, who christened it, for reasons best known to himself, by the poetical name of the Lady's Looking Glass. The cards having been freely shuffled, you invite a person to draw two cards, allowing him free choice. Opening the pack in the middle, you ask him to place his cards together in the opening. You bring them to the top by the pass, make the first of the false shuffles, and conclude by leaving them on the top. Offer the cards to a second person to draw a couple, but in opening the cards for him to return them, make the pass, so that they may be placed upon the pair already drawn, which are thereby brought to the middle of the pack. Again, make the pass, so as to bring all four to the top. Make another false shuffle, leaving these four on the top, and offer the cards to a third and fourth person, each time repeating the process. Make the false shuffle for the last time so as to leave all the drawn cards in a body on the top of the pack, with one indifferent card above them. The audience believe that they are thoroughly dispersed, and your first care must be to strengthen that impression. If you are expert in card palming, you may palm the nine cards, and give the pack to be shuffled by one of the spectators. But this is not absolutely necessary, and there is some risk of the company noticing the absence of part of the pack. You remark, you have all seen the drawn cards placed in different parts of the pack, and the whole have been since thoroughly shuffled. The drawn cards are therefore at this moment scattered in different parts of the pack. I can assure you that I do not myself know what the cards are. This is the only item of fact in the whole sentence. But yet, by a very slight, simple movement, I shall make them appear, in couples as they were drawn, at top and bottom of the pack. Then showing the bottom card, you ask, Is this anybody's card? The reply is in the negative. You next show the top card, and make the same inquiry. While you do so, you slip the little finger under the next card, and as you replace the card you have just shown, make the pass, thus bringing both cards to the bottom of the pack. Meanwhile, you ask the last person who drew what his cards were. When he names them, you ruffle the cards and show him first the bottom and then the top card, which will be the two he drew. While exhibiting the top card, take the opportunity to slip the little finger of the left hand immediately under the card next below it, and as you replace the top one make the pass at that point. You now have the third couple placed top and bottom. Make the drawer name them, ruffle the cards, and show them as before, again making the pass to bring the card just shown at top, with that next following to the bottom of the pack, which will enable you to exhibit the second couple in like manner. These directions sound a little complicated, but if followed with the cards will be found simple enough. 
You may, by way of variation, pretend to forget that a fourth person drew two cards, and after making the pass as before, appear to be about to proceed to another trick. You will naturally be reminded that so-and-so drew two cards. Apologizing for the oversight, you beg him to say what his cards were. When he does so, you say, To tell you the truth, I have quite lost sight of them. But it is of no consequence. I can easily find them again. Then nipping the upper end of the cards between the thumb and the second finger of the right hand, which should be slightly moistened, you make the pack swing pendulum fashion a few inches backwards and forwards, when the whole of the intermediate cards will fall out, leaving the top and bottom card alone in your hand, those you hand to the drawer, who is compelled to acknowledge them as the cards he drew. To make two cards, each firmly held by a different person, change places. For the purpose of this trick, you must have a duplicate of some one of the cards, say the knave of spades, and you must arrange your pack beforehand as follows. The bottom card must be a knave of spades, the next to it an indifferent card, say the nine of diamonds, and next above that the second knave of spades. You come forward carelessly shuffling the cards, which you may do as freely as you please as to all above the three mentioned, and finish by placing the undermost knave of spades on the top. The bottom card will now be the nine of diamonds, with a knave of spades next above it. Holding up the pack in your left hand, in such a position as to be ready to draw back the bottom card, you say, Will you all be kind enough to notice and remember the bottom card which I will place on the table here, so as to be in sight of everybody? So saying, you drop the pack to the horizontal position and draw out with the middle finger of the right hand apparently the bottom card, but really slide back that card, and take the one next to it, the knave of spades, which you lay face downwards on the table, and ask someone to cover with his hand. You then, by the slip or pass, bring the remaining knave of spades from the top to the bottom, and shuffle again as before, taking care not to displace the two bottom cards. Again ask the company to note the bottom card, which is now the knave of spades and draw out, as before, apparently that card, but really the nine of diamonds. Place that also face downwards on the table, and request another person to cover it with his hand. The company are persuaded that the first card thus drawn was the nine of diamonds, and the second the knave of spades. You now announce that you will compel the two cards to change places, and after touching them with your wand, or performing any other mystical ceremony, which may serve to account for the transformation, you request the person holding each to show his card, when they will be found to have obeyed your commands. The attention of the audience being naturally attracted to the two cards on the table, you will have little difficulty in palming and pocketing the second knave of spades, which is still at the bottom of the pack, and which, if discovered, would spoil the effect of the trick. To change four cards, drawn haphazard, and placed on the table, into cards of the same value as a single card subsequently chosen by one of the spectators. This trick is on the same principle as that last above described, but is much more brilliant in effect. To perform it, it is necessary, or at least desirable, to possess a forcing pack consisting of one card several times repeated. We will suppose your forcing pack to consist of queens of diamonds. Before commencing the trick, you must secretly prepare your ordinary pack in the following manner. Place at the bottom any indifferent card, and on this a queen, then another indifferent card, then another queen, another indifferent card, then another queen, 
another indifferent card, and on it the fourth and last queen. You thus have at the bottom the four queens, each with an ordinary card next below it. Each indifferent card should be of the same suit as the queen next above it, so that all of the four suits may be represented. Shuffle the cards, taking care, however, not to disturb the eight cards above mentioned. Then say, I am about to take four cards from the bottom, and place them on the table. Will you please to remember what they are? Show the bottom card, then, dropping the pack to the horizontal position, draw back that card and take the next, which is one of the queens, and without showing it, lay it face downwards on the table. You now want to get rid of the card you have already shown, which is still at the bottom. To effect this without arousing suspicion, the best and easiest plan is to shuffle each time after drawing a card, not disturbing the arranged cards at the bottom, but concluding the shuffle by placing the bottom card, which is the one you desire to get rid of, on the top of the pack. Thus, after each shuffle, you are enabled to show a fresh bottom card, which, however, you slide back, and draw the next card, a queen, instead. Repeat this four times, when you will have all four queens on the table, though the audience imagine them to be the four cards they have just seen. In order to impress this more fully upon them, ask someone to repeat the names of the four cards. While the attention of the audience is thus occupied, you secretly exchange the pack you have been using for your forcing pack, and advancing to the audience say, Now I shall ask someone to draw a card, and whatever card is drawn, I will, without even touching them, transform the four cards on the table to cards of the same value. Thus if you draw a king, they shall all become kings, if you draw a ten, they shall become tens, and so on. Now choose your card, as deliberately as you please. You spread the cards before the drawer, allowing him perfect freedom of choice, as, of course, whatever card he draws must necessarily be a queen of diamonds. You ask him to be good enough to say what the card he has drawn is, and on being told that it is a queen, you say, then, by virtue of my magic power, I order that the four cards now on the table change to queens. Pray observe that I do not meddle with them in any way. I merely touch each with my wand, so. Will someone kindly step forward and bear witness that the change has really taken place? If you do not possess a forcing pack, but rely upon your own skill in forcing with an ordinary pack, it is well to prepare this second beforehand by placing the four queens, supposing that you desire a queen to be drawn, at the bottom. Making the pass as you advance to the company, you bring these to the middle and present the pack. It is comparatively easy to ensure one or other of four cards placed together being drawn. Two heaps of cards, unequal in number, being placed upon the table to predict beforehand which of the two the company will choose. There is an old schoolboy trick which consists in placing on the table two heaps of cards, one consisting of seven indifferent cards and the other of the four sevens. The performer announces that he will predict beforehand, either verbally or in writing, which of the two heaps the company will choose, and fulfills his undertaking by declaring that they will choose the seven heap. This description will suit either heap, being in the one case understood to apply to the number of cards in the heap in the other case to denote the value of the individual cards. The trick in this form would not be worth noticing, save as a prelude to a newer and really good method of performing the same feat. 
You place on the table two heaps of cards, each containing the same number, say six cards, which may be the first that come to hand, the value of the cards being in this case of no consequence. You announce that of the two heaps one contains an odd and the other an even number. This is, of course, untrue. But it is one of the postulates of a conjurer's performance that he may tell professionally as many fibs as he likes, and that his most solemn asseverations are only to be taken in a Pickwickian sense. You continue, I do not tell you which heap is odd and which is even, but I will predict to you as many times as you like which heap you will choose. Observe I do not influence your choice in any way. I may tell you that you will this time choose the heap containing the odd number. While delivering this harangue, you take the opportunity of palming in your right hand a single card from the top of the pack, and place the remainder of the cards apart on the table. When the audience have made their choice, you pick up the chosen heap with the right hand, thereby adding the palmed card to that heap, and coming forward, ask someone to verify your prediction. The number is, naturally, found to be odd. You then bring forward the second heap, which is found to be even. Join the two heaps together, and again separate them, palming the top card of the odd heap. Replace the two heaps on the table, and this time predict that the audience will choose the heap containing the even number. When they have made their selection, you have only to pick up the non-chosen heap with the hand containing the palmed card, and the chosen heap with the empty hand. You may with truth assure the audience that you could go on all evening predicting their choice with equal certainty, but it is best not to repeat the trick too often. You will do wisely to pass on at once to the next trick, which will enable you to display your powers of divination in yet a more surprising form. A row of cards being placed face downwards on the table, to indicate, by turning up one of them, how many of such cards have during your absence been transferred from one end of the row to the other. This trick is somewhat out of place in this chapter inasmuch as it involves no sleight of hand, but we insert it here as forming an appropriate sequel to that last described. It is thus performed. You deal from the top of the pack face downwards on the table a row of fifteen cards. To all appearance you are quite indifferent what cards you take, but, in reality, you have prearranged the first ten cards in the following manner. First a ten, then a nine, then an eight, and so on down to the ace inclusive. The suits are of no consequence. The eleventh card should be a blank card if you have one of the same pattern as the pack. If not, a knave will do. This card, in the process which follows, will stand for zero. When the fifteen cards are dealt, their arrangement will therefore be as follows. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero, asterisk, 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 asterisk. The four asterisks, representing any four indifferent cards, this special arrangement is, of course, unknown to the audience. You now offer to leave the room, and invite the audience, during your absence, to remove any number of the cards, not exceeding ten, from the right-hand end of the row, and place them in the same order at the other end of the row. On your return, you have only to turn up the eleventh card, counting from the beginning or left end, which will indicate by its points the number of cards removed. A few examples will illustrate this fact. Thus, suppose that two cards only have been removed from the right to the left hand end. 
The row thus altered will be as follows. Asterisk, asterisk, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero, asterisk, asterisk. The eleventh card from the left will be a two, being the number moved. Suppose that seven cards have been removed. The new arrangement will be two, one, zero, asterisk, 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 ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. And the card in the eleventh place will be a seven. Suppose the audience avail themselves of your permission to the fullest extent, and remove ten cards, the same result follows. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, asterisk, 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 ten, nine, eight, seven, six. If no card is moved, the zero will remain the eleventh card, as it was at first. If you repeat the trick a second time, you must replace the cards moved in their original positions. Do not, if you can possibly help it, allow the audience to perceive that you count the cards. You are not necessarily restricted to fifteen cards, but may increase the number up to twenty if you please, making up the complement by increasing the number of the indifferent cards at the right hand of the original row. The trick may be equally well performed with dominoes, or with numbered pieces of paper, as with playing cards. End of section 11